This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about films. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Moonlight, Ex Machina, The Witch, Midsommar, The Lighthouse, The Farewell, Lady Bird, Uncut Gems, Green Room, The Lobster, The Florida Project. What do all of these movies have in common? Well, they were all released by the fastest rising distribution and production company that has had their finger on the pulse of the indie moving going film world since 2013. This is a two-part series that deals with the greatness that is A24 Films. On today's show, we're going to talk about how the company got its start and rise in success. On the next episode, I'll be bringing on a fellow film buff where we'll talk about our favorite A24 films and rank the top 10. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New the York, I raise such or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the world. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> the company, which was started by Daniel Katz, David Fenkel, and John Hodges in New York back in August of 2012, had a slow and auspicious beginning as they want to return to the glory days of indie cinema like Miramax, Fox Searchlight, and Focus, where they were the shot for the best movies coming out of the 90s. Either through acquisitions, mergers, or straight up leaving the industry, there seemed to no longer be a home for mid-sized films, ones that featured emerging filmmakers, non-binary and people of color, modest budgets, stories geared towards adults or mature audiences, and only minor household names attached to projects. A24 want to rectify that by bringing back daring and outside-the-box cinema that would provoke you or make you question what you were watching. Choosing to headquarter themselves in New York over LA was an interesting move, one that kept them out of the daily one-upsmanship of Hollywood, where things normally get done and instead into a city that made them look more serious about their plans because they didn't want to be the usual glamorous distractions. In their tiny, unkempt office, they put together a plan to try to acquire the rights to movies like The Place Beyond the Pines and Francis Ha at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2012. They unfortunately couldn't get their calls returned and worked on a new plan. The first film they were actually able to buy was A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, Roman Coppola's second feature film that starred Charlie Sheen, Bill Murray, and Jason Schwartzman. The film was made while Sheen was attempting his comeback after his infamous tiger blood and crack cocaine escapades of 2009 through 2011. Unfortunately, the start for A24 was almost the end, as Sheen didn't even bother to show up to the premiere of the movie and was instead making headlines for his illegal activities and violent temper. Sheen's antics notwithstanding, the film received terrible reviews. Roger Ebert said, A film is a terrible thing to waste. In regards to it, well, Peter Howell from the Toronto Star wrote, Perhaps the best thing that could be said about this film is that it adequately depicts the narcissism of its star, Charlie Sheen. Luckily, a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III wasn't the only iron that A24 had in the fire, as they had five other releases scheduled for 2013 that would blow the door wide open for them. Who are you? My name's Aileen. Why are you here? I saw y'all in there. They like nice people. Come on, y'all. Why acting suspicious? I knew y'all special from the moment I saw you. It's written on your faces. Next up was the now infamous Spring Breakers, directed by Harmony Corrine. Corrine got his start making grimy, filthy cult classics akin to early John Waters. He had made his most structured and accessible film yet with Spring Breakers. It angered early test audiences and caused walkouts. But that didn't deter A24, 
who was convinced that they could find an audience for it if given the chance. Most film distribution companies are viewed only as numbers-crunching machines whose sole purpose is to not only get a return on investment, but to make a profit by any means necessary. This means that weirder films or those that blend genres together often get sold to the highest bidder that will even bother throwing it on their little-used video-on-demand platforms, or only a few small independent theaters in big cities and quickly forgotten about. Harmony Korine cast Disney starlets Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, and Pretty Little Liar star Ashley Benson, which itself was huge news, as these young stars were breaking out of their curated images to star in a film where they have sex, snort cocaine, smoke weed, rob a restaurant, and even commit murder. A24 gave the trailer's exclusive premiere to MTV.com and it crashed their website because of so many hits. The neon and smoke-induced nightmare was a smash success, satirizing excess among youths with memorable lines like, Look at all my shit! As James Franco's alien shows off his collection of hats, colorful shorts, and many, many guns. It's my homie Mark. Hey. Hi, I'm Nikki. This is Sam. Hi. Oh my god, that's Paris Hilton. It's Kirsten Dunst. I just think we wanted to be a part of, like, the lifestyle. The lifestyle that everybody kind of wants. Hey, I can be the answer. I'm ready to dance when the vampire... Paris Hilton's hosting a party in Vegas tonight. Where does she live? Do you think we could find a way in? I I don't know. Come on, let's go to Paris's. I want to rob. A24 also released The Bling Ring, directed by Sofia Coppola, about the bored rich kids in California who ransacked the homes of Paris Hilton, Orlando Bloom, Megan Fox, and Rachel Bilson and The Spectacular Now, directed by James Ponsoldt, and had early breakout performances from its stars Miles Teller, Shyly-Ann Woodley, and Brie Larson. Both films were moderately well-received by critics and made back their budgets at the box office. That awards season, A24 made their first push to be power players by creating an Oscar campaign for Spring Breakers, sending out four-year consideration packets that read, Consider This Shit! and featured James Franco photoshopped to be holding Oscars instead of machine guns, and a clever edit of one of the most infamous scenes replacing the guns with an Oscar statuette's an alien's mouth. While the campaign was clever, and it garnered some critics' nominations and awards, it was ignored at the Oscars and the other big award shows. Very quickly, the company became the home for talented auteurs who received mainstream attention and critical acclaim for their mid-budget films. A24 proved that they knew how to put together distribution packages the right size to ensure that creators would get their movies seen by the right people. In 24, they managed to rope in the likes of Denis Villeneuve and his film Enemy that came out the same year as his English-language debut Prisoners. Enemy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays two characters whose lives intersect and they don't know why they are identical to each other. They also got the horror-thriller movie Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer, the enigmatic filmmaker behind Sexy Beast. The film follows Scarlett Johansson as an alien creature who stalks and kills men in Scotland. The film was a critical breakthrough that helped re-establish the talent level of Johansson. Another notable film from 2014 was The Rover from Australian director David Michaud, who was following up his impressive debut Animal Kingdom with this. It starred Guy Pearce and a resurgent Robert Pattinson, who was beginning to make his ascent into a serious actor we know today following his wooden teen heartthrob years in Twilight and Harry Potter. Want to stay for dinner? Is it make your own pizza night? Sure, great idea. Honey, I don't want to see you throw away your education. You have an advanced degree. I've waited to do this for so long. No, no, whoa, get up, get up. Just a second. I need to lay low for a week. It wasn't all crime movies and thrillers, though. It also attracted projects by female directors making comedies like Lynn Shelton's Laggies, starring Keira Knightley, Sam Rockwell, and Chloe Grace Moretz about a woman going through a quarter-life crisis and befriending a teenage girl. 
They also got Obvious Child from Julian Robespierre, who was making her directorial debut from her own short film of the same name. The romantic comedy starred Jenny Slate about a comedian who was debating getting an abortion after breaking up with her boyfriend and beginning a new relationship. All in all, it ended up being a very busy year in 2014 for A24 as they distributed 11 films, with J.C. Chandor's A Most Violent Year and Kevin Smith's Tusk being the other notable films. I'd just like to jump in here. This show was recorded before the sudden and tragic death of Lynn Shelton. We send our condolences to her family and friends. If you want a touching tribute, please see Mark Maron's latest WTF podcast, where he remembers his creative and romantic partner. Lynn directed nine films and countless episodes of TV. She will be deeply missed. 2015 was a special year, as they seemed to be the insurgent company making a real push to hang with the big boys. Films like John McClane's Slow West, Noah Baumbach's While We're Young, and James Ponsoldt's David Foster Wallace biopic The End of the Tour were all well-regarded films that popped up on numerous end-of-the-year best-of lists. But the real breakthroughs came with a trio of films that got the Academy's attention in Amy, Ex Machina, and Room. Amy was A24's first foray into the documentary genre, and it covered the life and subsequent death of singer Amy Winehouse, who had sadly passed away four years prior at the age of 27 due to alcohol poisoning. The film captured what made her so special, and the talent she had while also showing the demons that possessed her and caused her to throw everything away due to her addiction to drugs and alcohol. The film was nominated for Best Documentary Feature at the 2016 Oscars. In many ways, this building isn't a house. It's a research facility. I want to talk to you about the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Are you building an AI? Hello. Hi. I've never met anyone new before. Have you? None like you. Ex Machina was the directorial debut of Alex Garland, who previously was most known for writing 28 Days Later and Never Let Me Go. He cast Oscar Isaac, Domino Gleeson, and Alicia Vikander in the movie about a tech genius who invites an employee of his to his remote high-tech house, where he is to administer a Turing test to the AI he has built and see if it has cracked the code on what it means to be human. The horror thriller turned the dystopian genre on its head and made stars out of all three people, resulting in Oscar nominations for Garland's original screenplay and for its visual effects that brought Vikander's robot Ava to life. Room was the big hit A24 was waiting for. Lenny Abrahamson's film told the story of a young woman who was kidnapped and bears a child by her captor. After being trapped for seven years, the woman and her young son manage to escape and they find their way to freedom as they have to deal with the consequences of only knowing a tiny space for all of her five-year-old son's life. It starred now-adult Brie Larson as Ma and newcomer Jacob Trombley as her son Jack. The film was a festival and critical darling, earning rave reviews and garnering four Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director for Abrahamson, Best Actress for Larson, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Getting a total of six nominations was huge for the three-year-old company, who seemed to have found their footing. On February 28, 2016, all three of the films walked away with an Oscar. Amy won Best Documentary, Ex Machina won Best Visual Effects, surprisingly beating The Revenant, Mad Max Fury Road, and Star Wars A Force Awakens. The big get, though, was Room winning Best Actress for Brie Larson, beating Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Lawrence, and Saoirse Ronan. This was a turning point for the company as it legitimized their efforts and was paying off in spades. And the Oscar goes to Free Larson Room. (laughs) 
This is the first Oscar Act nomination for Brie Larson. Thank you. Thank you first to the Academy. I want to start big because the thing that I love about movie making is how many people it takes to make it. So I want to start first with the Telluride Film Festival, the Toronto Film Festival, who gave us a chance, who gave us a platform first. I'd like to thank A24 for taking this movie into their hands and sharing it with the world. I'd like to thank our director, Lenny Abrahamson. 2016 was an even more impressive year for the company as they put out a staggering 18 films which is more than some of the major studios put out. They had effectively cornered the indie market and their credibility was rising each year. Every year you hear complaints about the death of originality and how there are only sequels, remakes, and adaptations. A24 was the place to go to see a breath of fresh air. Do you like horror? Well, in 2016, they distributed Robert Eggers' The Witch that he wrote and directed. It scared the pants off people with its fresh look at the crucible type of story. Is about a Puritan family living in New England who is forced out of their community due to a dispute and are forced to live in a haunted forest that may or may not contain witches and other unspeakable creatures that starts to draw their daughter in. Considered by many to be the best horror film in the last decade, it brought immense praise to the company. A24 bought the film at Sundance for $1 million and it ended up making $40 million at the box office and became the company's highest grossing film to date. Or... If you like your horror a little more action-packed, there's Jeremy Sonier's Green Room that starred Anton Yelchin in one of his last film roles before he tragically passed away as the basis for a middling punk band who ended up booking a gig at a skinhead bar. The band accidentally sees a murder take place, and the club goes into lockdown to deal with the new witnesses. Patrick Stewart, in one of the finest villain roles to date, shows up as the calm, cool, and collected skinhead leader who violently orders their deaths as the band has to fight their way out to survive. Gentlemen, you're trapped. Things have gone south. It won't end well. You can't keep us here, man. You gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. Shoot who is left. Let him bleed. It was also the year of even more tours coming into the fold with Greek director Yorgos Lanthimos making his much-hyped English-language debut after the international success of Dogtooth. His new movie, The Lobster, starred Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz, living in a dystopian future where single people have a limited amount of time to find a life partner, or they will be turned into the animal of their choosing. The movie's wide release was a long delayed as it slowly worked its way through film festivals, starting a year earlier at Cannes, where it won the Palme d'Or for being top film. The movie didn't disappoint, as it was a consensus top film of the year and garnered an Oscar nomination for Lanthimos's original screenplay. Cult favorite filmmaker Andrea Arnold put out American Honey starring Sasha Lane and Shia LaBeouf as disparate youths traveling across the United States selling magazine subscriptions. The film ended up getting a BAFTA nomination for Best British Film of the Year. Artist The Daniels made a film affectionately known as The Farting Corpse Movie called Swiss Army Man starring Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe as the aforementioned farting corpse. The story revolves around Dano's character washing up on a deserted island where he finds a dead body played by Radcliffe and begins to find out its capabilities are endless, much like a Swiss army knife, in his attempts to get over his ex and get off the island. Smaller films included the Craig Robinson starring Morris from America, a coming-of-age story about an African-American man and his young son that moved to Germany and the drama they face. Another important film was Cretia, 
the directorial debut of Trey Edward Schultz that told an intensely dramatic story about an alcoholic woman who tries to mend fences with her family one Thanksgiving weekend. The film was a huge stepping stone for Schultz, who would go on to distribute his next two films with A24, as well as each one getting successively bigger than the one previous. Cresha ended up being a finalist for the Golden Brick Award, the prestigious honor bestowed by Film Spotting, the biggest film podcast in the game. Previous winners included Tangerine, Blue Ruin, The Act of Killing, Columbus, and Minding the Gap. Another hit was Mike Mills' 20th Century Women, starring Annette Bening, Elle Fanning, and Greta Gerwig, which was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the 89th Academy Awards. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You gonna tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time? What's wrong? I'm good. No, I'm saying good. You While 2016 was a big year for movies A24 was distributing, they also changed up their strategy by getting in on the ground floor of filmmaking as well. The first film they actually produced was Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. Changing the way they did business was a risky move. The film was by a novice director based on an unpublished play. The cast assembled was one of their least well-known. Sure, there was Janelle Monet, who was a huge pop star, but was making her acting debut. She did voice a character named after herself in Rio 2 in 2014, though. There was Naomi Harris, most notable for playing Money Penny in the Daniel Craig Bond films, and Mahershala Ali, who played supporting roles in both House of Cards and the last two Hunger Games movies, but they certainly weren't box office stars. Add in the subject matter about a story told in three parts, with almost completely different cast members in each segment telling the story of two males who are figuring out their own sexuality in a rough area of Miami... You don't exactly have a recipe for a massive hit, but the A24 team believed in Jenkins' vision. They visited the set early on as they had no idea what the process was like, as up until that point they only see films after they are completed. With each rough cut they are more and more impressed and thought they had something truly special on their hands. The film premiered at Telluride in early September 2016 and a week later played at TIFF, cementing the huge buzz the film had. This buzz kept building and building until Oscar nominations came out and had their name announced eight times, including Best Director, Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor and Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. On February 26, 2017 at the Oscars, both The Lobster and 20th Century Women went home empty-handed, but it was a night of infamy for Moonlight. The little movie that could ended up winning Best Adapted Screenplay for Barry Jenkins and playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney, along with Best Supporting Actor for Mahershala Ali. When it came time to award Best Picture, La La Land was announced by Faye Dunaway. Her co-presenter, Warren Beatty, still looking at the card, confused as it said Emma Stone for La La Land, the previous category winner, as the cast and crew of the film filed on stage. Warren showed the card to producer Jordan Horowitz, who, without wasting a second, quieted the room completely by claiming Moonlight was the real winner and it wasn't a joke. He held the card up so the cameras could see the truth. And the Academy Award for Best Picture. You're awesome. Come on. La La Land. We lost, by the way, but, you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No, there's there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight. 
Best Picture. It had been an intense battle all season long with the two movies trading off wins. La La Land won at the BAFTAs, Critics' Choice Awards, Directors Guild of America, and the Golden Globes for Best Musical or Comedy. Meanwhile, Moonlight won the top prizes at the Independent Sphere Awards, Gotham's, National Society of Film Critics, and winning the drama equivalent at the Golden Globes. Despite the back-and-forth nature, Barry Jenkins and the rest of the cast and crew developed a close bond with director Damien Chazelle, stars Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, and the rest of the La La Land team after seeing them every weekend for several months straight at award shows and galas. La La Land was more than happy to hand the Best Picture award over to Moonlight and give them the spotlight they felt they deserved. It was a breakthrough. Not only did a queer and black movie win the top prize, but it was the second lowest grossing film to ever win Best Picture after The Hurt Locker, making it the ultimate underdog of a film. Moonlight winning Best Picture was A24 reaching the top of Hollywood's Mount Everest and cementing their power. In 2017, they had successes with Ben Wheatley's Free Fire, Yorgos Lanthimos's The Killing of a Sacred Deer, David Lowry's A Ghost Story, and Trey Edward Schultz's second feature, It Comes at Night. The year's big indie cinema surprise was the emergence of Josh and Benny Safdie, who wrote and directed the heart-pounding crime drama Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson, absolutely discarding any previous misconceptions about his acting ability. Pattinson plays Connie, who tries robbing banks to pay for the bail of his disabled brother, played by director Benny Safdie, that is in trouble due to Connie's antics. So I told you about my brother, yeah? Something happened. I don't know exactly what. He's been arrested. He's being held at Rikers Island. Love. Oh my God, that's awful. Make me cool. You just gotta get him out of there before something bad happens. He could get killed in there. The pure from love. They once again got Academy Award attention with a trio of films in The Disaster Artist, the biopic about Tommy Wiseau, the director of the unintentionally worst movie ever made called The Room, the Disaster Artist received a Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar nomination, but lost to Call Me By Your Name. The Florida Project, directed by Sean Baker, tells the story about invisible homeless people who live in rundown motels just blocks away from Disney World. Willem Dafoe, who played the manager of the Magic Castle Motel, was rewarded with a Best Supporting Actor nomination for his heartbreaking portrayal of a man who is just trying his best, but is often stuck with having to be the bad guy due to delinquent room payments. Defoe lost to Sam Rockwell for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. The last of the group was Greta Gerwig, who was making her solo directorial debut with Lady Bird, a semi-autobiographical telling of her adolescence in Sacramento, California. The film did the best of the bunch, netting five nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director and Original Screenplay for Gerwig, Best Actress for its lead Saoirse Ronan, and Best Supporting Actress for Laurie Metcalf, who played Ronan's mother. Sadly, the film went home empty-handed, making it the first time in three years that A24 didn't win any of their Oscar nominations. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla, back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A24 had a secret weapon up its sleeve, but lost it in 2018. You've probably never heard the name Lisa Tabak before, but she might be one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. No, she's not a studio executive, super agent, or executive producer. But instead, her LTLA consulting firm was the go-to for companies lusting after a Best Picture Oscar. She helped A24 get Moonlight its big win, but also the runner-up La La Land, along with past winners like The English Patient, Shakespeare in Love, Chicago, The King's Speech, 
and the artist while working for Miramax and the Weinstein Company under disgraced sexual assaulter Harvey Weinstein. Lisa Tabak went to work for Netflix, becoming their VP of Talent Relations, putting her in charge of awards campaigns. For the 2018 movie year, Netflix had hits with Roma and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. A24 countered with First Reformed in 8th grade, both going home empty-handed. Other notable films from that year included Ari Aster's Hereditary and Jonah Hill's Mid-90s, both making their directorial debuts. Otherwise, it was their quietest year yet since the company began only five years earlier. 2019 was a year of ups and downs for the company. One of the original founders, John Hodges, who had been in charge of the company's TV department and was responsible for the HBO hit Euphoria and stand-up specials from Julio Torres, Anthony Jeselnik, and Jared Carmichael, along with John Mulaney's offbeat Netflix special, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, left to join Jax Media, a different TV production company. This time, he was given the title of Head of Film, a role that was already being handled by the other two founders back at A24. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. Just like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. On a more positive side of things, A24 had Gaspar Noé's Climax, French master Claire Denis making her English-language debut with High Life, David Robert Mitchell's Under the Silver Lake, and Trey Edward Schultz's third film, Waves. They got the debut of Joe Talbot in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which won Film Spotting's Golden Brick Award, besting the runner-up achievement Cretia received a few years prior. They also had a slate of films that were prime for Oscar season. Films like The Farewell, which seemed to be a lock for screenplay nomination and a possible Best Supporting Actress for Zhao Zhuzhen, The Zafni Brothers gave Adam Sandler the role of a lifetime in Uncut Gems, and Ari Aster's Midsommar, which was a twin peak for Florence Pugh's breakthrough along with Little Women, all seemed destined for Oscar glory and were shut out. The only Oscar nomination A24 received was for The Lighthouse, Robert Eggers' follow-up to The Witch, which starred Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in a psychological horror with dark humor about two lighthouse keepers going insane in the 19th century New England. The movie got a Best Cinematography nod for its stark black-and-white images, but went home empty-handed. That same year, Lisa Tabak and Netflix had their own slate of films gunning for Oscars with The Irishman, Marriage Story, The Two Popes, Klaus, I Lost My Body, American Factory, and The Edge of Democracy all getting nominations and winning two awards amongst themselves. Netflix had been openly declaring that their goal is to win Best Picture, something they feel will legitimize them as they still fight old Hollywood-type traditionalists who view them as annoying industry disruptors and purposely choosing not to vote for them. The 2020 Oscars were significant, not only because Netflix lost with both of their Best Picture nominees in Marriage Story and The Irishman, and was the made bridesmaid the year before with Roma, but because of who won. Much like how A24 wanted to bring back cinema for the people, Neon, which was founded in 2017 to distribute similarly bold films, grew in popularity due to movies like I, Tonya, Apollo 11, The Beach Bum, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and their crown jewel, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which, in a storm surge of support not seen in recent years, captured the hearts and minds of Academy voters, netting Neon a Best Picture win 
positioning them with the other top dogs, much like Moonlight had done for A24 only three years earlier. Good Lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. It seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? This basically brings us up to today. Kelly Reichert's first cow premiered at Telluride in August of 2019 and was given a theatrical release on March 6th, right before all the COVID-19 shutdowns occurred. A24 quickly pulled the movie after only a single weekend and limited release and currently plans to re-release in theaters once they open up. They could have secured a digital distribution deal like the other movies have been doing, but they believe in this film and want it to be seen on the big screen. First Cow was getting rave reviews from critics, with Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times calling it a small story that also inspires awe. The studio also planned for a premiere screening at South by Southwest in March for The Green Knight, the new David Lowry movie starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, and Joel Edgerton, but canceled that and contends that the movie will still be coming out on May 29th. The movie tells of a fantasy adventure of Sir Gawain, King Arthur's nephew, who embarks on a quest to confront a gigantic green-skinned stranger. Minari, directed by Lee Isaac Chung and starring Steven Yuen, is considerably more low-key about a Korean family that moves to Arkansas in the 1980s in search of the American dream. St. Maud is a return to horror, with Rose Glass making her directorial debut about a nurse who converts to Catholicism and believes she is being possessed. Both films have a tentative 2020 release with no date attached yet. Other projects in the pipeline include Koganada's follow-up to Columbus, taking him in a different direction with After Yang, a sci-fi movie starring Colin Farrell. They're also working with filmmakers they've handled before, including Mike Mills' Come On, Come On, and the Daniels' Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And what looks to be a huge get, the company is getting the solo directorial debut of Joel Cohen, one half of the Cohen brothers, and what is his take on Shakespeare with The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington as the title character. Will the studio win another Best Picture? It's hard to tell how the Academy is trending, because who have predicted movies like Moonlight or Parasite would be big winners based on the plot description and cast alone. As they continue to grow and keep taking risks on innovative films and daring directors, they will continue to be rewarded with success. As I always say, the cardinal sin of movie making is to be boring, and A24 is anything but that. I hope you enjoyed this historical take on A24, and if it does well, maybe I'll do more of these in the future. That's it for this episode. Make sure you stay tuned for the next one, where I'll be joined by a guest and we will rank our top 10 A24 titles. ContraZoom is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. I'd like to thank Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music, and Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at ContraZoomPod. What are your favorite A24 films? Send me an email, ContraZoomPod at gmail.com, and I'll include your message. It would be a great help if you would rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts as it will help us grow and find new listeners. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.